All right, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, just crushing it today, hey? That's good. Um, so glad you joined us today. If it's your uh, first time with us, uh, or maybe it's your first time with us in a while, don't worry. I've missed uh, a number of Sundays here the last few weeks as well, so you're all good. Uh, we're glad you're here and that you joined us. Uh, uh, some of you know I was away on a vacation. Thank you for letting me go on those once in a while, and uh, it was so good. Just a little update. We, we did some tenting and road tripping and uh, uh, time on the beach, time with family. The kids did great. The kids still get along um, and Mandy still likes me. So yeah, I feel like that's a win. Um, anytime I can get her to like me. So uh, things are looking up. Uh, we're starting a brand new series and I'm so excited uh, to start this entitled Endgame. And some of you are wondering, are we going to be watching Endgame? You know, the Avengers? No, we're not. So just sit tight. Uh, you got to sit and listen to me. No, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a really uh, fun series. I'm super excited for it. Uh, I, I got a son who right from birth was just extremely affectionate. He just loves, loves, loves to love, 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 right? It's just, he's a very affectionate uh, 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 kid and he was as a toddler. Um, and you combine that with this personality of a very free spirit. And what I mean by free spirit, you know, he'll just go for it, right? It's like, you know, maybe spend a little less time thinking and more time just going for it, right? Let's just uh, give you an example of this. When he was one years old, just learning to walk, true story, he would take his blanket, put it over his head and walk or run just to see what would happen, right? It's like, yeah, free spirit, right? Just go for it, right? It's like, what might happen? And there was tears along the way. And some of you are like, you're not free spirited. You're like, that, that guy's crazy. And some of you, you're free spirit. Like, I'm gonna try that today at home. That <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun, right? Just so you know, it hurts less when you're one in fall than when you're 35. So maybe, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but, you know, he had this free spirit combined with this, this great affection. And so as a, a young kid, like as a toddler, one years old, you would often, you know, without warning, there was never warning because he's free spirited. He would just run and jump on you and hug your legs and, and wrestle you. Like he was just, and never without any warning, right? And it was really cute when he was this tall. And then he started to get about this tall. Yeah, and without warning, undoubtedly, and more than once, he has dropped grown men to their knees. <laughs> he would just come out of nowhere and just, you know, and, and, and there was this unwritten rule if you're a guy that, you know, when my son's around, you just, you got to be watching because he may just come out of nowhere and he will just love you, which is painful, you know, when he just hugs you, you know, at that height. And, uh, uh, you know, he would just come out of nowhere. So there was unwritten rule. You better be watching or you suffer the fool, right? And maybe there's some areas in your life where you're like, I just got to keep watching in this area or I suffer the fool. Maybe um, for you, it's, it's an area of health. It's like, you got you, you to watch your diet or watch your exercise or watch the medication you take. If you don't, things can just go south really quickly and you suffer, the fool. Maybe uh, you had an investment at one point in your life, or maybe you do now, and, and it's the kind of investment you got to keep close tabs on. And if you don't, things can go sideways really quickly, and you suffer the fool. Maybe you have old vehicles, if you've ever had an old vehicle, where you got to put as much oil in as gas every time, you know, you fill up. And if you're not watching, you suffer the fool. We, we had an old car once. We always 
tend to have old cars. But we had this old car, you might remember, a, a red 1999 Sunfire GT. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, but eventually, the gas gauge stopped working. But the way the gas gauge stopped working, it would, you'd fill it up and it would show full. It was true. And it would work its way down to half, which was true. And then instead of going down to empty, it would work its way back up to full. <laughs> true story. So when you were just under half a tank, you never really knew which side of full am I on, right? Like, which side of half am, am I on? And so you had to keep watching or you would suffer the fool, right? It's like you got to write down how many kilometers we have on this gas tank and, and so on, or you would find yourself in a real, real difficult place. Well, you know, as it relates to being watchful, we are called in our faith to be watchful as well so that we don't suffer the fool. You know, Jesus often and throughout the New Testament talked about the end. He talked about uh, what we might call the end of the world. He used words like the end of the age and the return of the Son of Man, which would refer to him, himself. And, it, and in many ways, the end is intriguing, isn't it? There's something intriguing about the end. And, and, and I, I did a study a few years ago. Every decade, there's more and more movies and books written about the end. Even if you're not a religious person, it's like, we just have this fascination about how is it going to end? How's the world going to end? When's it going to end? What are things going to be like at the end? We just have this fascination with the end. And Jesus talked about the end. And so as Christians, we have all kinds of theories and theologies about what and how the end is all going to look like and what it's going to be. And Christians don't all agree. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus spent a great deal of time talking about not just the details of what the end might be like. But he spends even a greater amount of time talking about how are we to live in light of the fact that there is an end. And the end is indeed coming. What's our game plan as it relates to the end. And Jesus talked about that. And when he talked about that, he talked about this idea of being watchful so that we don't suffer as a fool. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about, gives some details about what, the, what things will be like at the end of the age or the return of the Son of Man. And then he kind of summarizes it with this statement. Jesus says, therefore, keep Watch, because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you all the details, but here's the posture you're to live with as you live in light of the fact that there is an end coming. Keep watch. That's the posture he gives. Keep watch. You don't know. In fact, anytime someone comes to you and says, I know, I know when the end will be, you should just say, no, they don't know, because Jesus actually said, you don't know. In fact, six verses earlier, Jesus says that nobody knows when the Son of Man will return. Not even the angels, not even the Son of Man himself, speaking of himself. He says, only God the Father knows. So anytime someone comes to you and says, I know, I know, how it's, I know when it's going to end, you just, just look at them and say, you must be God. And then walk away because they're not, right? You just walk away because they're not. And only God knows. So as Jesus speaks about the end, he says, here's the posture. And then after chapter 24, Jesus does something interesting. He tells three stories, three parables that describe what the end will be like in relation to how we should live 
in light of it. And that's what I want to do over the next three Sundays today and the next two after that, is talk about how do we posture ourselves? What would it look like for us to live in the posture of keep watch? And Jesus kind of summarizes this first idea with the first story. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse one, here's what Jesus says. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. When Jesus says at that time, he's talking about the time of the end of the age and the return of the Son of Man. That's what he's been talking about in chapter 24. Now, those two things might actually be one and the same. But he's talking about the end of the age, the return of the Son of Man. At that time, Jesus says, let me tell you, let me give you a picture of what the kingdom of heaven will be like at that time. He says, here's a picture. You want to know what the kingdom of heaven's like as it relates to the end? He says, it's like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And all of us are like, what is he talking about? What Jesus does is he tells a very familiar story that everyone knew. He describes a wedding. Well, unfortunately, uh, none of us have ever experienced a first century wedding that's Middle Eastern. We don't even really know what that is. We're like, well, what's with the 10 virgins and the lamps and meeting the bridegroom? As far as we can tell, uh, Middle uh, 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 Eastern uh, weddings in the first century were long events. They would often last many, many days. There was many kind of functions and parties throughout. Uh, it appears that there were some separate parties where the bridegroom and the bride kind of had their, their separate parties. But at some point in the celebration week, the bridegroom would make his way through the town to the bride's house. He would pick her up, like probably not literally, but you know, like put her in, on his donkey or, I don't know, in his arm and walk. They would walk through the village and in their walk through the village, everyone in the village would have an opportunity to like shout congratulations and right on and yay. And they'd have the celebration as they made their way to this wedding feast, this banquet. And all those who were invited would join them, meet the bridegroom and the bride at this banquet. It appears this is what has happened. That the 10 virgins are waiting they, they went out, they are, they're waiting at the place where the banquet's gonna be as they wait for the bridegroom who's just gone to do what? Get the bride. Well, Jesus describes the 10 virgins this way. He says, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And he's gonna describe what he means by foolish and wise. But he actually takes this description of foolish and wives from a proverb. Proverbs are wise, wise sayings. In Proverbs 27, he, uh, the proverb gives a descriptions of foolish and wise that Jesus is gonna lay out for us in story form. But the proverb says it this way, the prudent see danger and take refuge. The prudent are the wise. They have this ability, prudent people have this ability to look beyond what's right in front of them to what's coming. And when they see danger, they're wise enough to take refuge. But the simple they just keep going and pay for it. The simple, maybe they didn't know that they should look ahead. Maybe they're just young or they just were naive. Uh, but foolish people, they're simple people on steroids. They know they should look ahead, but they just choose not to because here's the deal. Looking ahead often takes time and work. And so Jesus describes this proverb of these two groups of virgins. He says, the foolish ones took their lamps, but they did not take any oil with them, probably meaning any extra oil. Just whatever was in the lamp, they just grabbed it. They're out to the banquet, the, 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 the wedding banquet. The wise ones, on the other hand, took oil in jars along with their lamps. 
they had this ability to look ahead and say, hey, we might need some more oil than what we have in our lamps. And they did just that. Well, this is significant because of what Jesus says next. Jesus says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all, the wise and the foolish virgins, all 10 of them became drowsy and fell asleep. And why did they become drowsy and fall asleep? Why? Because the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And you might wonder, why was the bridegroom so long in coming? You know why. What was he doing? He was getting the bride, right. I've had to wait a long time for my bride. Many, many times. And some of you men, you're like, oh, I'm just always waiting for my wife. It's biblical, okay? So you just keep waiting, okay? That's, I think that's why Jesus put this in here. So you just keep waiting a long time and be wise, bring extra snacks or whatever you need. Okay, so the bridegroom was a long time in coming. We laugh, but I'm gonna come back to this later because I think it is biblical. Anyways, he was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy. They fell asleep and at midnight, <laughs> this is supposed to be like a wedding banquet feast, right? It's like we're eating at midnight, but the bride... Nothing's changed. In the first century, the party starts when the bride gets there. In the first century, it was the same as, as today. At midnight, the cry rang out. She's ready. Actually, they said, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. And suddenly we have a problem. The foolish, the foolish virgins, they said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, the wise replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Apparently in the first century, at midnight, you could just go to people's houses, bang on their doors and buy oil. I don't know, that's just how it worked. So they did. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut and Jesus gets controversial and he gets countercultural for the first century. What Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven, remember he's talking, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like at the end. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be like at the end of the age when the son of man returns and Jesus says this about the kingdom of heaven. There's a door and not only can it be shut, it will be shut and not everybody gets in. And this was countercultural and this was controversial in the first century because the Roman Empire worshiped a pantheon of gods. And anytime they took over a new area and there was a new God, they just added it to the pantheon of gods that they already worshiped. It was all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to heaven. Just worship what you want. It doesn't matter. Pick a God. And isn't that what our culture says today as well? Your truth is your truth and it's true for you. My truth is my truth. And as long as you, know, you believe something, as long as you're true to yourself, in the end, it will all be the same for all of us. And Jesus says, no. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will have a door. And not only can the door be shut, but the door will be shut. He goes on to describe that later the others came. There was others outside of the five foolish virgins. They said, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. 
And then Jesus summarizes as he, he gives this picture. Here's what the kingdom of heaven will be like in the end. And he summarizes, how do we live in light of this? And as he summarizes his teachings, here's what you need to do. He actually says the exact same thing word for word that we started out with. In chapter 24, verse 42, he says, therefore, say it together, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Why? Because you don't know the day or the hour. The, the virgins didn't know how long it would be till the bridegroom would come. And we don't know how long it will be until the end comes. We don't know how long it will be until the end. So keep watch because you don't know. I think if I could summarize this in kind of a, a different way, Jesus is saying this, the wise are prepared and ready for the end and they're prepared and ready for their end. See, we may hear a parable like this and we think Jesus is a long time in coming. It's been 2000 years, he still hasn't come. Who knows, it could be another 2000 years. He's so long in coming, I got time. And I can just kind of live how I want. And, and one day when I'm 90 and it's time for me to go, I'll kind of get right with God when I'm older. I'll get right with God one day. But that's foolish because what Jesus says is you don't know the end. We don't know. Jesus may come back tomorrow, but let's say even if he was another 2,000 years from today, you actually don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. I've done a lot of weddings and I've been involved in a lot of weddings or funerals and you have been to a lot of funerals where you have said things like this, they went before their time. And what you meant is somehow like we're supposed to be 90, 95 and then we're to die. And yet we aren't guaranteed our next breath, are we? And so Jesus comes along and says, the wise are those who prepare the wise are those who make themselves ready for the end, including their end, because we don't know when it will be. So I wanna ask you today, are you prepared? And I don't ask that question, that's like a heavy question, like oh, the room got silent, like tell a joke. Not to scare you, but to help prepare you because you don't have to fear the end when you're prepared for the end. But if you're not prepared for the end, that can become a fearful thing. See, rather than fearing the end, why not simply prepare for it? But you need to prepare for the end before you get to the end. As the 10 virgins, the five foolish ones, they could not prepare for the end when the end was right there. By then it was too late. It reminds me of going on uh, a road trip and we just went on a road trip. And road trips, you have to prepare, right? If you're camping and tenting, there's so much to prepare. And so like when we went our, on our road trip, we were like, you gotta, you gotta pack the kids and then you gotta pack your camping stuff and then you gotta pack the kids and then you gotta pack, you know, the food and then you gotta pack the kids and then you gotta pack the car. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Mandy packs the kids. Um, <laughs> There's so much to remember, but here's the interesting thing. As we did our road trip, our destination would eventually take us to the United States of America. That was our destination. And one of the first, the very first thing I put on my list of do not forget, Alvin, do not forget, we're hooped, if I forget this, was passports. 
You can't get to the border and be like, oh, I, I'll just go get that. You missed the destination. It's too late. You have to come prepared to the border. Are you prepared? Do you have your passport for eternity? When you get to the end, is it in hand? Because by then it's too late to say, oh, I, I, I think I gotta go do that yet. Don't suffer the fool. The way Jesus said we prepare our passports, the way we prepare ourselves for the end was in a conversation he had with one of his good friends whose name was Martha. And Jesus said this, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Meaning when they get to the, the, the borderline of life in this world, they have a passport to life beyond. They have a passport to eternity. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives eternally by believing in me will never die. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? It's Jesus's way of asking, are you prepared for the end? Are you prepared for your end? Do you believe this? If you're here today and you know, I don't have that passport. I've never put my faith in Jesus. When you hear about the end, it, it, it brings up anxiety and worry in you because you're not sure you're prepared. Preparing for the end is actually quite simple, but it will cost you everything. It's simple, it's as, as A, B, C, but it will cost you your life. It's A, admit that you're a sinner, that you cannot get to your heavenly father on your own. It is only through Jesus who is the resurrection and the life and by your faith in him. So you A, admit you're a sinner. You can't get to God. B, believe in Jesus as your savior and then C, commit your life. It costs you. You commit your life and say, you have control of my life. I'm living for you. This is what we sang about earlier. When we give up our gods, we're a holy people set apart for God. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you counted among the wise. The wise are prepared to be watchful. I think Jesus would say, you need to prepare. But to be watchful, you also need to be ready. And being ready and prepared, I think there's a nuanced difference that I wanna talk about. Think of it like uh, the ancient practice of guarding a city. If there was a king or a kingdom of a city, uh, to guard the city, he would build a wall around the city. So if there was an opposing army or nation, an enemy, there would be some sort of protection. But then he would also train an army and get together armor. He would prepare for an inevitable attack from the, from the enemy. But to be prepared is not the same as being ready. So not only would the king prepare with all those things, but then he would need to ready himself. And this meant he would station guards around the city wall, especially at nighttime when people become drowsy and fall asleep. So that when the enemy came, not only were they prepared, but they would be ready for when the enemy came. They were watching and ready. What would it look like for us to not only be prepared, but to be those who are watching and ready. But there's a challenge to being watching and ready, isn't there? And the challenge for the 10 virgins was 
The bridegroom is a long time in coming, isn't he? Jesus just keeps waiting and waiting and waiting. And we think, and we can get lulled to sleep. We can stop being ready. We might be prepared. Oh, we've got our passport in hand. We've put our faith in Jesus, but we get lulled to sleep by the things that are in the immediate. And we get focused on what's here and we don't look beyond like the wise do. See, one of the biggest challenges that Jesus gives for us to be ready is the the long wait for the bridegroom. And you may wonder, well, why? Why is Jesus taking so long to come back? Peter, Jesus' disciple, actually tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, and it actually has to do with the bride and the bridegroom. Listen to what he says. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So when God's like, hey, I'll be there in a couple days, just wait a couple thousand years, right? It's like, it might be a long time in coming. This is Peter's point. And he goes on and says, and here's why. Jesus is waiting and waiting and waiting and has not returned yet. Here's why. The Lord is not slow. It's not that he's just, uh, just doing his hair. No, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with who? You. The reason he hasn't come is because he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter says the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he is waiting for you. And when Peter writes the word you, he's saying the church. He's saying, Jesus is waiting for the church. And all through scripture in the New Testament, over and over, the church is described as the bride of Jesus. And do you know who makes up the church? It's those who have put their faith in Jesus. And so when Peter says, he is patient with you, the church, not wanting anyone to perish. The reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is because he is waiting for all those who will put their faith in him and be part of the church to be part of the church. And when all those who will put their faith in Jesus have put their faith in Jesus, then the bride, the church is ready. So it is biblical for the bridegroom to wait for the bride. Jesus is waiting for us. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants all to come to faith. See, the wise are prepared and they're ready, even in the waiting, even as Jesus takes long and the end is far away and we think, am I just gonna live forever? They don't get stuck just just considering their immediate next step. They're wise and they look ahead, they keep watching. But as I said earlier, it's interesting, all 10 virgins fall asleep. It's hard even for the wise to remain ready, to remain watching. And the the reason they fell asleep was because they gave in to their immediate circumstance. They were tired. And as I was thinking about this, we can easily get distracted from the return of Christ by the things that are immediate. And we give ourselves, and we can give ourselves fully into climbing the corporate ladder and we don't give God and faith. We, even though maybe we accepted Christ a long time ago, we just kind of put it all on pause because we get so focused and we spiritually fall asleep. We're not ready. We're not watching. 
Maybe it's your business or accumulating or building uh, an empire or maybe it's your, your reputation that just gets all of your attention. Maybe it's Netflix or scrolling through social media. None of these things are bad on their own, but when they take all of our attention, we miss out on watching and being ready for when the king returns. See, I think the way to combat this is to live with the end in mind. See, living with the end in mind keeps us mindful of the end. When we keep our eyes focused on Jesus who is coming back, it keeps us focused on what's most important even in the here and now. And yes, we still do those things. We build a business. We go on Netflix. We still hang out with friends and we build a a reputation possibly on this earth, but that is not the focus because we're focused on something bigger and greater. I think the person who who, uh, lived this out so well is described for us in Hebrews chapter 11. I wanna read this just so you get a, a picture of what this looks like. What does it look like to live with the end in mind and thus be mindful of the end? And this is the story of Moses as shown to us by the writer of Hebrews. And Moses, if you don't know, he's the guy that went to Pharaoh, said, let my people go, right? Here's what the writer of Hebrews says about Moses who lived with the end in mind. It changed how he lived in the immediate. He didn't fall asleep. Watch this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now that's strange because when you were known as Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. You're the son of his daughter. There's a lot of perks that come with being the son of Pharaoh's daughter and Moses refused it. Why would you do such a crazy thing? He goes on. He rather, and this is crazy, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Rather than living in the moment, just living for what he could get for the here and now, he saw something further. He chose to be mistreated. He refused to be counted as his, uh, her da- uh, son. He regarded disgrace, such a weird idea, for the sake of Jesus Christ as of greater value Disgrace was greater than the treasure he could earn in Egypt in the here and now. Why would Moses do that? Here's why. Because he was, and let's read it out loud together, looking ahead. Moses was a wise person. He didn't live in the here and now, but he had his eyes up and he saw God was doing something. And he was gonna live with the end in mind. There was a reward coming. And so he kept his eyes up. And by faith, because he hadn't seen it yet, but by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. When Jesus says, be watchful, As you live in light of the end, don't become drowsy, don't fall asleep, be prepared, but be watchful. What he's saying is keep your eyes up. I am doing something, I am coming. Don't get caught up in the here and now and entangled in all kinds of things. Like Moses, look up and see your savior who is unseen and live by faith. Live with the end in mind and that will keep you mindful of the end. And when you're mindful of the end, it changes what's most important, doesn't it? And this is why Moses was able to give up the here and now reward for a much, much greater reward later. 
the wise are prepared. And we've talked about that today. But the wise are also ready. And over the next two stories, over the next two Sundays that Jesus shares, he's gonna give us some very uh, practical ideas about what it looks like to be watchful, to live this ready, eyes up, understanding there's something more than the here and now kind of life. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word and your word that challenges us. And Father, I pray for uh, those who are here today and those that are listening online right now, who as they take stock of their life, um, becomes pretty clear they're not prepared. And Father, I pray that it wouldn't just fill them with fear and they would move on. But Father, that by your spirit, they would listen to your spirit inside of them, in their heart saying, put your faith in Jesus. And that they would become your child by placing their faith in you. And for those of us who are prepared, we have received, we do believe that Jesus, you're the resurrection and the life. I pray that we would be counted among those who are wise who are watchful and ready, who live beyond the here and now, understanding that you're doing something great and live with the end in mind. And as we consider that in our own lives and the things that maybe pull on us, and maybe it's different for each one of us, but there's things that pull on us to get us distracted and sleepy from what matters most, from putting our eyes on you. May we be uh, challenged and may we change. And over the next few weeks, as we see practically what it looks like to live watchful lives, to be ready, may we be those who say yes and step into that by faith. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.